five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA, fighting for direct marketing every day. And here we go. Got some news for you today. As you can tell, my voice is a lot better. Uh, enough to get through this, so we're going to do a real show. And to start off with, we got a fun commercial. So let's get over to let's get over to the uh, YouTube channel and cue it up. And here we go. This is who we are. From the very beginning, and every workday since, at every shift, and every individual effort, we carry a common purpose, a common cause, passed down to us and preserved by a shared responsibility. Knowing behind every product we build is your faith in us. It's a duty we proudly honor to continually improve, innovate, and deliver for your right to defend, protect, and thrive. Knowing these values in our way of life provides strength and the confidence to secure what matters most to you. Dedicated to the craft of gun making. Dedicated to your freedom, equality, security, and the promise of this great country. Smith & Wesson. Empowering Americans. So anyway, uh, Smith & Wesson decided to, you know, to show off their employees and their manufacturing. And uh, they've been around since 1852, right before the Civil War. So they moved their manufacturing to Tennessee a year or two ago. And uh, as you can see, very diverse workforce. Um, you know, and they make a good product. I've never owned any. Um, but if they wanted to send me one, it would be okay with me. <laughs> um, where's the, there's a PDF about it. Let's go over there. Um, let's see, here we are. And um, they want to show off their hardworking, freedom-loving Americans. They're proud of what they do. They got a good quality product. And um, so I thought I'd just share that for Independence Day weekend run-up. Okay, on another note, the FTC, which I didn't even know was really looking at Google, decided that their sign-up practices were deceptive, manipulative. <coughs> the sign-up process fails to meet the conditions required for informed consent. You can see now that I'm talking too hard. I'm getting the little cough back, okay? But anyway, what they do is they, uh, and there's a report on this, Fast Track to Surveillance, how Google makes privacy a hard choice. What they do is they, you know, give you the choice to sign up. I wish we had some screenshots here. Um, they use dark patterns that manipulate users into agreeing to data collection and use. So they do disclose it. They disclose what they're up to, sort of. But what they do on the sign-up process, when Google asks users to agree to its privacy terms, the company buries the information about tracking and ad personalization in a link that says more options. So if you don't, if you don't look at the more options, and why would you, right? Why would we 
Why would any of us? We trust Google with our lives. Um, if you only only by clicking and expanding those options does the user see that they've been automatically opted in, okay? Which is something prohibited by the GDPR, but not so much by CCPA. CCPA is more about giving them an explicit opt-out, which it sounds like also isn't given by Google. So they and they're a California company, so you'd think they would do that. Um, they automatically opt you in and then opt you out. Opting out not only takes several steps for the user, but it's hidden from users, which CCPA says you have to have it, you know, right on your website. I'm not going to track. I don't want to be tracked. Okay, it's hidden from users unless they fully explore all the links present through the sign-up process, specifically a violation of CCPA. Even when those links are clearly minimized in favor of highlighted options that allow more tracking. Yeah, it's pretty smart. So if you're in the mood, if you're in the mood to track people, this is how you do it. You got you're learning from the best. And if you care about privacy, you may want to check into Google and what you're being tracked on. I don't know what you're being tracked on. I'm just telling you what. Wendy Davis, my friend Wendy Davis, is telling me. So good for you, Wendy. Okay. How to solve the challenge of targeting a group that doesn't want to be targeted by Jody Fredericks at The Drum. This was a really good article, too, except it left off right where I was hoping it would, you know, get going. Um, they were trying to track software developers to interest them in joining a B2B fintech company, Rapids Developer Network. This is a group that truly has no interest in being targeted. I remember, and, and they said there could even be an ex, they, that, that they, the product might even experience a backlash by even trying to re reach developers. It reminds me of the, of the World Wide Web when it first started. I got on it in 1995, Memorial Day 1995, which is about as soon as anybody could get on it. And uh, although I did... I did get a tour on, in 1994 at a guy with an education access um, in November of 94. So six months later, and within hours, I started building the first Mi'kmaq website. Um, so I built my first website, Memorial Day of 1995, and I continue to build websites today. But anyway, in those days, there was some question about whether or not the Internet would be allowed to be used for commercial purposes. Everybody on it at that in those days was pretty much in education or government, and they weren't too interested in that. And if you would comment on a website and you had a SpryNet or CompuServe uh, address, much less AOL, you would get what's called flamed, and they would just people would write nonsensical answers to you trying to basically discourage you from even participating in the internet and if you had a commercial some kind of commercial angle boy they didn't like that at all i remember the first order i placed on the internet it was for a cheesehead hat for my mother in florida and i found you know i was able to with lycos or something i was able to search enough to find cheesehead hat and it was from a company in michigan was a retail store, and I asked him, you know, if he had a, if he, 
I don't remember what I, you know, I said, could, could you, you know, how'd you do this website? And he said, I said, you know, do you have a order processing system? He said, I don't even have a computer. He said, a friend set it up for him and he just takes orders over the phone, gets the credit card over the phone and ships the stuff out. And that's the way it was back in the day, only 25, 27 years ago. Okay, so the article goes on and says, and this is, I think, a quote. I don't think this is Wendy or uh, Jody, but maybe it is. Anyway, Jody says, ideating on creative, which, you know, as a boomer and someone who speaks the English language, ideating to me is not a word. And ideate um, as a verb is used down below also. So that kind of turned me off to the article. But given that she's probably speaking as a creative, which can do whatever they want with language. We learned that when we studied E.E. E. Cummings in high school, who could do whatever he wanted with poetry. So art and science are best friends, and I did like that part. And right and left brains have to work together, and in some of us, it's in the same head. Can you believe it? I was tested. I know that that's true. So I started in graphic design, but ended up in data and analytics. Who, who would have thought? Anyway, so um, these people did not want to be reached, these software developers, so they needed to get the right and left brain working together. Um, they, they, they looked for things that they looked for things that software developers were interested in. And it turned out, they said, let's let data science help spark our creativity. And they turned out that global developers, that developers globally had a few shared common interests. Problem solving, me, space, and good hard cash. And so what they did was they built a contest in which you try to solve puzzles. They hired two of the world's great puzzle makers, Dave Kwong and David Dave Shukan. You know, back in philosophy, back in grad school, I wrote up a paper just for fun on um, on a knowledge puzzle that was had been 75 years unsolved. A.J. Ayer, I think. And um, I gave it to the head of the philosophy department at UW-Madison and just asked him what he thought of it because I just wrote it up kind of for fun. I had this sort of odd perspective on this puzzle. And he handed it back to me a couple weeks later. He said, I'd like to co-publish this with you. <laughs> he said, I can make sure it gets published. And he said, I think you've solved it for the first time in 75 years. So I do love a good puzzle, and that's kind of why I went into philosophy. Anyway, we never did publish it. I don't remember why I wasn't interested, and I lost the paper. Uh, but anyway, um, they had to guarantee that every puzzle in the competition was something that no one had ever seen before. And, you know, good puzzles are hard to come by. I don't know how they did it. It turned out that the way they did it was they created 36 smaller puzzles. You know, and the trick in puzzles is you can't make it too hard or nobody will try, you know, unless you offer a million dollars. I mean, look at the Netflix puzzle where they said, try to beat our algorithm, which was very basic, right? Like the algorithm, and I don't know what the, Netflix puzzle, or you might also like 
was, but I know what the Amazon one was. And the Amazon one was people who bought this book also bought. They don't even say you might also like. They just said for years, they said people who bought this book also bought. And what they do is when your book went on sale, you know, most people were just buying that one book. But if they bought a second book, they would put that in the first book's record. And they would have five slots for those records. And so they had people who bought this book also bought. No algorithm, no nothing. Just plunk, plunk, plunk. In it goes. And they'd leave it there and they didn't care. And the fact that it didn't make any sense sometimes didn't bother them. They didn't say it made any sense. It's just the fact was people who bought this book also bought. Now, long term, you could go back and you could reset those after a while. You could say, here's the second most popular book. That would be a wonderful algorithm. Very, 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 very simple, right? And that's probably what Netflix was, something like that. But whatever, uh, they offered a million dollars, and the winner did basically did sub-segmentation, where they increased the, increased the fit by, by looking at some geodemographics ge- ge- of the user, probably utilizing the postal code and the census data which is about the best we've got most of the time. And by doing that, they made it work, but it was so much more complicated that Netflix gave them the million dollars but didn't ever implement it. So if you ever scratch your head and wonder why these puzzles are solved poorly, it's because you don't get enough entrance or you get too many because the puzzle's too simple. There was a study done years ago where they 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 were interested in 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 the length of time people would play games. And so they put a cone out in front of people and some rings, and they said, toss the rings over the, over the cone. And if they put the cone too close, they got, they got uh, bored because they could just drop the, cone, the, the rings right on the cones. If they put it too far away, they never hit it, so they, got, so they got frustrated. It was in the middle where it worked, and that's also where a good test works best, right? If you have too, if you have uh, too obvious a solution, <clears throat> you know, should we put a response device on our on our mailing piece? <laughs> yes, the answer is yes. <clears throat> and if you put it on, you'll wipe out the other one because the other one doesn't have any way to respond anyway. <clears throat> the other one is, should we test, you know, a pink or a blue indicia on the on the response card or the postcard? Uh, there won't be enough statistical significance. So oftentimes it's that middle ground. Anyway, <clears throat> so when they get to the puzzle, that was it. That They didn't say how it worked, unfortunately. So I'm looking for a follow-up from Jody. I hope you do. But hopefully we added a little wisdom to that. Have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye.